Hey Disney fan, have you ever wanted to know how we make the magic? Or maybe what's happening at Disney every single week? Well, have we got the podcast for you. This is D23 Inside Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. I'm Jeffrey from D23. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. And we are taking you Inside Disney. Happy holidays again. Happy yes. holidays. Yes, yes. Happy Christmas Eve. <laughs> Yes. yes. Merry Christmas Eve. Thank you. Uh, it's nice to hear your voices as always. I actually did get a brief glimpse of Sherry doing a, a drive-by gift drop-off. Yeah. So I did get to see Aww. Sherry in person for the first time. Like, I want a in... glimpse of Sherry. Uh, <laughs> I want a glimpse of all of you. Jeffrey, I was considering putting on, I have a dress that is a Christmas tree. I was considering putting that on just for you. Oh, That's I want to see my Christmas tree dress, but uh-huh. I'll save it for next year. <laughs> yep. Love it. What have you guys been watching? Any any fun Disney-ness? Yes. Okay. So I started watching the docuseries on Disney Plus on point. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Incredible. I am watching it way faster than I am intending to watch it. I really need to save save these episodes and save the <laughs> a little longer so I have something to look forward to. But wow, the stories of each of these dancers are each so powerful and man, they are resilient both mentally and physically. I grew up taking ballet and I still try and do it every so often at home, but I've got a lot to learn from these six through 15 year olds. (laughs) I just want to understand their toes and how those toes do that. Yeah, they get, they get into it. We get to see a couple of girls get their first pair of point shoes, which is pivotal for a ballerina's life. So yeah, I highly, highly recommend it's it's also shot really beautifully. It's just an incredible piece. And I forgot it's executive produced by Ron Howard. So oh. that explains why it's just a masterpiece. <laughs> totally. Uh, what about y'all? I, first of all, if you heard the sound of someone's head exploding on a Saturday <laughs> morning, that was me watching the Mandalorian finale. Yeah, about I... 9.30 what that sound was yeah 9 30 a.m ish i think it was <laughs> it was see good all the way wow okay I, I don't want to give away any spoilers because i'm sure there's a all of two people who have not seen it but for those two people as soon as you're done listening to this podcast you have to watch i couldn't believe it and of course not a secret but the announcement of book of boba fett which we're going to talk about in in a few minutes but i also I watched some of the new Earth to Ned episodes that will be released on January 1st on Disney+. Plus. Jennifer Goodwin and Alan Tudyk. Honestly, I was in tears laughing. It's just so good. <laughs> so good. So I can't wait to watch more of those. Speaking of other finales, I am completely caught up now on all my ABC winter finales, Grey's Anatomy, Station 19, Big Sky, and at the end of each one of them, I was like, wait, no, no. And now Ugh. they're on hiatus <laughs> for a few weeks and I'm already itching for them to come back. And I was able to experience an early screening of Soul, which was <gasps> just oh, so good. So right? beautiful. Oh, so good. So yeah, good. good. Speaking of soul, uh, my interviews with Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey are going to air all weekend on Radio Disney. So hopefully you guys oh. will be able to check that out. I'm sad that it's just the audio right now because Jamie Foxx and I did like a Zoom high five. 
because <laughs> we realized our hometowns are like minutes away from each other. So we had a little oh. bonding moment during our chat, but he just talked all about how deep his love for music really goes, which was really inspiring. Mm-hmm. But also speaking of soul, our guest today on the show, Pete Doctor, Chief Creative <gasps> yeah. Officer of Pixar and Director of Soul. So stick around for that, guys. I, I super look up to him so I am I apologize in advance for my shaky nervous voice in our interview (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but up first we have some big Disney news Disney Parks blog and uh, D23 and a a few other places offered a first look at Snow White's Enchanted Wish that is the reimagining of Snow White's scary adventures at Disneyland that they've been working on some of the technology they are using is in incredible disney imagineer kim irvine's been working on it she talks people through the video that you can see it's on on disney parks blog and there's a dopey it's it, you can see it in the movie but dopey's got the little diamonds um, <laughs> covering his eyes and you see all the little dopeys in them and it, it is so cool it looks amazing and they've added snow white into a few more of the the scenes i didn't actually realize or, or remember i guess it is that It went from being Snow White's adventures to Snow White's scary adventures during the big remodel of Fantasyland in the 1980s. So this is just sort of the next evolution of Snow White and all of her adventures. So love it. Very excited to see that when that opens and uh, Disneyland returns as well. Yay! Well, I've got some more parks news. I can't believe that this is already around the corner. But the Taste of Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival is coming back to Walt Disney World on March 3rd, 2021. Oh, it seems like just yesterday we were there for the very first day of it. (laughs) What is time? It doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you are unfamiliar with the festival, it combines the creative gardens, the freshest flowers, and of course, garden fresh cuisines and flavors from around the world. Mm. And my favorite part of the festival is the character topiaries. Those are coming back, including Mickey and Friends, Remy, Anna and Elsa, Lady and the Tramp, Figment, for all my Figment fans (laughs) out there. (laughs) And more, each one making the perfect backdrop for family photo ops. And of course, there will be more than 20 delectable stops along World Showcase. The menus are coming soon, so as we find out more, we'll let you know. But I'm keeping my eyes peeled, as you can imagine. (laughs) And this year, gardeners of all ages will be invited to participate in Spike's Pollen Nation Exploration. Dressing up five times fast. When I was there, I actually uh, picked up a spike Christmas ornament, which I'd never seen before. So I was very uh, excited, you know, because I don't have enough Disney ornaments. You need more (laughs) trees. Do not enable me. (laughs) Well, the Taste of Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival is running through July 5th and is available with valid admission and a park reservation for the same date. Nice. Jeffrey, are you going to be there? <laughs> I'm sketching it into my Philofax. <laughs> March 3rd. <laughs> uh, well, also coming in 2021, some fun new things at Disneyland Paris. Now, we, we've been talking about this and, and we've been hearing about it for a while, but on the Parks blog, you can actually see some new first look images, first of all, of the Disney's Hotel New York, The Art of Marvel, which is mm. going to be opening in 2021. 
It is the first hotel dedicated entirely to a celebration of Marvel art. Wow. And it's going to have one of the largest publicly viewable collections of Marvel artwork in the world. So you can get an inside look now on the Disney Parks blog. They posted some great, great images. Also, they showed some sneaks of Disney Junior Dream Factory, which is this interactive musical show. And a new Cars attraction coming Uh to Walt Disney Studios Park. So (gasps) check out our friends at the Parks blog for that. Oh my gosh, booking a trip to Paris. (laughs) I'm just going to like park hop. That's, you know, but like resort hop. I'm going to start at a taste of the Flower and Garden, hop over to the Art of Marvel's Disney's Hotel New York. You know, (laughs) that's normal, right? Perfect. Totally. 2021 is going to be, it's going to be our year. I can tell. That's the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) While in more parks happenings, the electrical water pageant is returning to Walt Disney World Resort. Yes. Amazing. So so that means guests at Disney Resort hotels along Seven Seas Lagoon and Bay Lake will once again have the chance to see this water pageant. There will be 14 free floating barges. Nice. As yes. always. As Sherry, always. did you see that like when you worked at Disney World? Was that something I did. You watched? Yes. I, uh, Pure magic. It is. It's the oldest parade at Disney World, too. I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Well, if you missed the teaser video, check it out on Disney Parks Twitter at Disney Parks and follow them for more updates as the return gets closer. Yes. All right. Somebody throw it to me in the inside Disney Sports Center. <laughs> and now to Candace with the score. <laughs> yes, guys. There is a three-hour primetime event called Sports Center Presents 2020 Heroes, History, and Hope. And it's going to debut on Christmas Eve. So it's three programs. They're each one hour. And they're going to be using the lens of sports to look back at the events of this past year and look ahead to the future. So it debuts at 8 p.m. Eastern on Christmas Eve. It's going to be hosted by Jeremy Schapp and Lisa Salters. So there's the three volumes. They're going to have entirely different content, but they're going to be presented with the same format. So each hour is going to have a moment in time segment. So they'll talk about things like the unfortunate death of Kobe Bryant mm. or the day sports stopped due to the pandemic. There will mm. also be a primary feature on a newsmaker from 2020 and uplifting people and moments. You guys can also check it out. It'll be streaming on the ESPN app through December 27th. So there you go. Sports. Check. (laughs) (laughs) MCU fans, assemble. Yes. Here we are. are. (laughs) You will soon get to relive some iconic MCU moments with Marvel Studios Legends debuting exclusively on Disney+. Plus. The first two episodes are premiering very soon, January 8th, 2021. It's a new series that's going to showcase individual characters that fans have come to know and love and adore and cry over and laugh with over the years (laughs) and revisit some of their most iconic moments. This is going to be really, really cool. And yeah, yeah, I can't wait for it. And so it's so soon. Well, speaking of a character that fans have come to love and uh, getting their own series, Book of Boba Fett, Woohoo. spinoff of Mandalorian. Again, like it was amazing. John Favreau was on Good Morning America and talking about how you know th- there were so many huge announcements during our big investor day. 
but they didn't want to reveal Boba Fett because obviously it ties into some things that hadn't yet happened on Mandalorian. Oh. So, uh, but the last scene, sort of a, an end credit segment, if you will. Oh my gosh. Uh, talk about a throwback again. If you have not watched Mandalorian, I'm not going to ruin it for you yet, but <laughs> Again, if my head didn't explode quite as much as it did in the previous scene, those of you who've watched Mandalorian know exactly what I'm talking about, but (laughs) amazing. So now this is now the third spinoff series of The Mandalorian, which has been announced. The other two, of course, are The Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka Tana. Mm -hmm. So look for those all coming. Oh, and the other thing they announced was... The Book of Boba Fett is actually going to be debuting December 2021. It is in production now, I guess, because that's how John Favreau referred to it. And that right now, Mandalorian season three is in pre-production and will go into production once they've wrapped on the Book of Boba Fett. So hopefully I understood everything John was saying. I was like going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, so (laughs) much when he was talking that I, I may have misunderstood parts, but. That I thought was great. And then also, of course, for fans of Mandalorian, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, is debuting on December 25th. This is now the second season, which is bringing viewers behind the scenes on the making of season two of the show. It gives everyone an incredible look at the technology, at the characters, at the design, and of course, a little bit more of a look at the return of Boba Fett and the live action debut of Ahsoka Tano. How exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I'm a huge fan of the Beatles. Hey, me too. My dad's a drummer. <laughs> and he just played the Beatles all the time when I was a kid growing up. But this is so cool. Filmmaker Peter Jackson has released a sneak peek of his new documentary. It's called The Beatles Get Back. So you're basically going back in time to the Beatles recording sessions from January 1969. So this is like 56 hours of never before seen Beatles footage cut down into this film. More than 150 hours of unheard audio, all of which has been restored. Hmm. But The Beatles Get Back, it's going to open in theaters on August 27th, 2021. But see this sneak peek on Disney Plus right now. It's so good it's just a montage of some of this footage and you'll see mm. peter intro it himself uh wow. i can't wait for this Me i'm also too. a huge beatles fan so is my dad so yes. is my whole family i mean so is the whole world so. yeah basically <laughs> everybody can relate yeah. to that Disney and Pixar's sole original motion picture soundtrack plus two vinyl albums came out since we last talked, guys. So if you want to hear all of the music to get you ready for Soul coming up on Disney Plus Christmas Day, check it out. The digital soundtrack features 42 score and jazz tracks. The sole original score vinyl album features 23 tracks from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and music from and inspired by Soul. The vinyl album by John Batiste features 22 tracks. Uh, the soundtrack also includes songs performed by David Diggs, which I love. But mm. everybody's ready for Soul Christmas Day on Disney+. Plus. But now you can listen to it right now. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! And get ready for... Five fantastic things to watch this weekend, courtesy of our friends at D23, the official Disney fan club. For complete details, visit D23.com. And today we've got several holiday-related programming items, including Friday, December 25th, The Simpsons are requesting your presence. Get it? Like, (laughs) Uh, the final day of Freeform's 25 Days of Christmas begins with a block of Christmas 
themed Simpsons episode, including Homer versus Dignity, Holidays of Future Past, Gone Boy, and more. <laughs> Love that. Well, you guys know what I'll be watching Christmas Day, NBA Christmas Day. It is my home team, the Dallas Mavericks, at my second home team, the LA Lakers. Uh, it's happening Christmas Day at 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Deportes. This is the Christmas Day tradition. They've been doing this for 19 seasons, and I'm glad it's back. So you'll see LeBron James, Luka Doncic. Coverage is going to start at 2 p.m. Eastern, and the NBA Countdown team will be back on ABC at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. So more sports. It's going to be good. Also on Christmas Day on Friday on Disney+, Plus, it's the debut of Disney and Pixar's newest short film, Burrow. Guys, this looks adorable. It's so cute. I admit I got to see it there during the investor (gasps) day. They showed it. Lucky! Oh, Oh my gosh. It wins. It wins. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Well, it's about a young rabbit embarking on a journey to dig the burrow of her dreams, but she has no idea what she's doing. (laughs) So Relatable. Very relatable. I can't wait to see this one. Me too. Me too. Well, also December 25th on Disney Plus. We've talked about it already. We're going to talk about it more with Pete Doctor, but Disney and Pixar's all new feature film, Soul. Yay! We're excited. (laughs) (laughs) In case you can't tell from all of our past episodes. You know the drill. (laughs) Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey. It's going to be amazing. Then on Sunday, December 27th at noon Eastern on Disney Junior is a new episode of Fancy Nancy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I do want to give one extra shout out, a bonus, if you will. Um, I'm sure it was in the five fantastic things to watch this week because the week also ends on a Friday. So sometimes we we overlap. Mm -hmm. But the Disney Parks Magical Christmas Celebration, my annual family holiday (gasps) tradition, will be at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central pacific on abc with titus burgess and julian huff and i cannot wait uh-huh well today's guest is one of multiple talents academy award-winning director pete doctor is not only a director but a screenwriter producer voice actor and chief creative officer of pixar he's best known for directing the pixar animated feature films monsters inc up inside out and now soul And when we started talking to him, he was already listening to some jazz music. So he truly embodies soul. (laughs) Pete, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. You guys know the Firehouse 5 plus 2? If you're real (laughs) Disney nerds, you'll know it's it's, uh, two of the nine old men. Uh, It was Ward Kimball and Frank Thomas, who played piano. And then a bunch of other folks at the studio who who put their own band together, and and they played at Disneyland a lot and uh, oh, cool. a lot of places. So, so in Soul and in Inside Out, you explore worlds that are metaphysical. What attracts you to these meta projects? I mean, most of my stuff I start with as an animator, thinking what would be fun to animate. What do I want to bring to life? And Soul's just the mystery of it was really cool. But then a lot of them come with some deep thoughts you know this one was really kind of about what is life all about what's the right way to live Uh, all those kind of things you know perfect for kid movies (laughs) (laughs) 
So Pixar is legendary for their diligence in developing story. So when did you first begin working on Soul? Actually, okay, so it came after Inside Out. So Inside Out was, uh, you know, I, look, I, I fell in love with animation when I was like eight. I made flip books. I think somebody gave me one of those, uh, they used to sell them at Disneyland, these flip books of like Donald Duck, you know. And I was like, what? They're just drawings, <laughs> but they look like they're alive. How is it possible? And so I spent a lot of my, too much of my time as a kid making my own flip books. And, you know, got into the business professionally when I was like 15 and started at Pixar. I've been there for 30 years. And Inside Out was kind of in a way I was like, you know, I don't think it's going to get any better than it did on Inside Out. People loved the movie. We did good at the box office. We won all these awards and stuff. And then I was like, so now what do I do? Do I just go back and, and try to do that again? Or like what? <laughs> What's going on? So it just started me thinking about like, what is it that really makes you happy in life? Is it really just kind of living out these goal-oriented dreams or, or is there something more? And so that's the origins of the story. That plus recognizing that I have two kids that are now older. My son just got married last year and I was thinking back to when he was born and realizing, you know, he, he already had a sense of who he was. Like when we brought him home from the hospital, and I'm like, how is that possible? I always thought your personality kind of shaped as you live in the world. But clearly, like my two kids are very different from each other. I don't know if you have brothers or sisters, but, you know, a lot of times you're really quite different than your sibling. And so there's something that you're born with. Where did that come from? And that just started exploring those two ideas. And that's what led us to the origins of soul. Wow. So we talked a little bit about the unknown What's the process like for creating things that are non-physical in our world, but brought to life in the world of soul? Yeah, good question. If you figure that out, let me know, because it's been, <laughs> it's been really, it's been tricky. We, I guess what we do is we start with a ton of research. We talk to, and we're lucky to have, you know, a process that allows us that time. So we get to talk with, gee, I talked to a bunch of pastors and uh, a rabbi, and it's going to sound like a they all walked into a bar joke. No, but, you know, they it, just trying to get to the root of what do all these different traditions think of as a soul. When you say soul, what does a soul look like? Where did it come from? What is it doing? Where does it live in our body? Because you can't measure it. You know, all those questions uh, and that research then goes into your thinking. In most cases, like in this one, um, it comes down to just having really talented artists that get to pull from all those ideas and start just being more intuitive. You know, what does it look like? How does this feel? And and then you try a ton of stuff. Amazing. Well, what you've tried has been incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't see all the other stuff that we left out. <laughs> I would love a lot to of see editing. That. Yeah. Well, you have a really great and super diverse cast for Soul. What was the process for casting voice talent like? Yeah, it's fun. So what I like to do, and everybody, every director works differently, but we have a, a, a group that does casting. And so I ask them, okay, this character is this age, this type of personality, bring me a bunch of voices. So what they do is they, they go to other movies and they strip out little bits of dialogue and they don't tell me who it is. So I just bring the picture, because by this time, I'd say like 99% of the time, we've already built the character by now. So I put that character picture up in front and then we start listening to voices. And some of them, you're just like, yeah, that sounds like, who is that? Oh, it's Jamie Foxx. Really? 
It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't sound like Jamie. It fits like it fits Joe, you know? So it's really kind of fun. And then you start thinking more about when you start to work with the actor, you start to um, write for their voice. You know, certain people use different cadence or they would or would not use this word. So you, you kind of try to tailor the part to be perfect. Uh, you really try to take advantage of the skills that they bring to the table. Totally. I actually um, talked to Jamie Foxx recently for Radio Disney, and he was commenting on just how beautiful and authentic these Black characters were. So I'm curious if there was any type of thought process that went into their details or an evolution of how they started to how we're seeing them on screen on Disney Plus on Christmas Day. Yeah, we worked really hard and we talked with a lot of folks to try to make sure that we represented the African-American experience accurately yet specifically. Because, you know, um, one of the first people we brought on was our writer, Kemp Powers, co-writer Kemp Powers. And he said, look, I'm just one guy. I don't represent the entire culture here. So, you know, I'm going to speak from my experience. But then we got, boy, a bunch of folks from the jazz world, you know, even like Herbie Hancock and Quincy Jones. And we got to talk to all these amazing people, uh, as well as teachers and uh, cultural experts. And so, it just uh, it was a real big deep dive. And then there again, we made a lot of mistakes. You know, we did stuff that wasn't totally accurate or inadvertently offensive or things like this that, that then we would shake out. And we just relied on people's honest feedback to try to get better. We know you love jazz music, Firehouse Five from Disneyland. Uh, and jazz is a big <laughs> part of the film. Can you talk about that and how it all plays into Soul? Yeah. So... We started, as I say, this film was per- very personal, but I, I thought, well, if the guy's an animator, maybe that's too personal. I don't know if you've ever seen someone animate. It's not exactly riveting. It's slow. <laughs> it's fun to watch what they do, but it's a slow kind of uh, not that interesting to watch generally. So I thought about uh, scientists or uh Wait a minute, musician, musician. When I watch musicians, it's like watching a magic trick. You know, the talent is really fun to watch. So that seemed inspiring. And then someone brought this Herbie Hancock masterclass to my attention. And there was a, an amazing story, which I brought in and showed everybody. And he talks about he was playing on a tour with Miles Davis, you know, the great trumpet player. Mm-hmm. And he said, we are having a great tour. And then he made a mistake. Herbie played some note, some chord on the piano that he felt was so wrong that he was going to ruin the whole tour. But <laughs> rather than judging him and shooting him a dirty look, uh, Miles just took a breath and he said, Herbie says, he made my chord right. And he said, I don't know how he took me years to figure out how he did it was he didn't judge that chord as being wrong. He just took it as something new that happened. And he did what any jazz musician should do. And he took it and made it into something of value. And I thought, that's exactly what we're trying to say with this movie. So how perfect a metaphor jazz is for life in a lot of ways. That just seems like it w- it's too good to pass up. Totally. Let's talk about the music a little bit more because you have some really big names when it comes to the cast, but when it comes to the music, you had Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross compose the original score and then John Batiste doing the jazz compositions and arrangements. So how did you decide who was playing what role when it came to the music? 
Well, with jazz, we wanted it to be uh, as authentic as we could. We wanted it to sound like somebody who just stepped off one of those stages in New York, you know, the jazz clubs. John Batiste has played there. He plays on Colbert Show, of course. But he brought this, not only is he like scary talented, but he's got this knowledge of and the history of jazz. And he set out to make user-friendly jazz, he said, because we kind of recognize, like, not everybody is going to love jazz. I personally do. But, you know, then again, I grew up with Mr. Rogers and uh, Charlie Brown and all the great, you know, Vince Guaraldi yeah. music. And so we were hoping that this movie, in addition to being a movie that hopefully people will enjoy, might expose some new listeners to the, the genre of jazz. So that could be pretty cool. Wow. And then with Trent and Atticus, that was like, okay, this is so far out. What's like the opposite of what you think of with Pixar music? It's uh, the music of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, Nine Inch Nails. But I really respect <laughs> and love their thinking. They're such thoughtful and creative people. And so we had worked a little bit with Ren Kleiss, who is a sound designer on Inside Out. He created all the sound effects and the atmospheres. And he has worked with Trent and Atticus quite a bit. So I, I kind of said to... Ren, what do you think? Would Trent and Atticus be into this? I think it turned out they were a little scared because it required them to do some kind of things that they wouldn't normally do, which was true of us too. So we're both a little bit like, okay, how's this going to work? It was a little stretch for both of us, which I think meant that it produced some really cool stuff. Yeah. All right. I know you're going to say it's hard to choose, but Having worked on quite a few characters, is there one that you worked on that you either relate to the most or is just the most memorable to you? Hmm. Well, I feel like the thing that has the most impact is probably Toy Story. Mm. I don't know. For whatever reason, Andrew Stanton and I kind of paired off in Andrew was very much Woody and I'm sort of Buzz. I don't know that I'm really like Buzz at all, but I kind of grew to really love that character. You know, I love his sort of diluted space talk <laughs> and is looking at everything as though it's either fuel cells or, you know, a rocket or whatever. And so <laughs> he was uh, a lot of fun to work on, both to write for as well as to animate. Love that. Well, today we get to see a lot of young or new Pixar talent working on projects like Spark Shorts. Yeah. So how did you get your start at Pixar? And like, what were some of your first projects? I started at Pixar in 1990, so this is well before Toy Story. In fact, one of the guys made a Christmas video by taking a big movie camera, and, and or it was a video recorder, and asking strangers, what is Pixar? No one knew what Pixar was. So this was back in the day where like Pixar, we had done some hardware, we'd written some software, and, and then John Lasseter and a group of artists there had done uh, a number of shorts. But that's kind of all they they did Luxo Jr. and um, Tin Toy, if you've seen those. But that's kind of what attracted me to the place was, this looks like real, but I know it's not real. It's kind of messing with my brain. And uh, how did they do that? And I love the stories that, that, that they're telling. And so that's when I started and we did commercials and then built up and eventually did Toy Story. So I just started when it was small and nobody knew what it was. And that gave me a lot of opportunity to try different things. I did character design and uh, even a little bit of modeling in the computer and, of course, story work and writing. I'd never done any of that stuff before. And I don't think if you started a big company, you're probably not going to get that sort of latitude. You're not going to be able to do everything. You're going to be hired to do what you can do well, and then you kind of get 
to do that. But if you work for a small company, you have to do a lot of stuff. Wow. Well, Pete, it has been such a joy talking to you. We end every interview by asking our guests the same question. So okay. the question is, what is your favorite Disney memory? Ooh, my favorite Disney memory. Okay, let's see. Well, hmm. There's like flashes of all sorts of stuff coming to my head. I grew up in Minnesota. We had uh, relatives that lived in, near Anaheim. So we would drive across the country and uh, go to Disneyland. That was always like the highlight of the whole trip. So I just remember, you know, driving across the Rocky Mountains and all the way across Arizona and all this stuff just with Disneyland, Disneyland, Disneyland. Yeah. I love the Tiki Room. was my favorite. Yes. And uh, um, I tried to recreate it in my bedroom growing up. <laughs> I just remember very strongly sitting under all the birds going, this is amazing. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. Congrats on Soul. It's amazing. Thanks. I hope you liked it. Uh, I can't believe we got to talk to Pete's doctor. You kept it together yeah. really nicely, Sherry. Wow, I yeah. was, I, as soon as we were done, I closed my laptop and just screamed out of excitement. <laughs> I had to let it out somehow. <laughs> Such a cool guy. So cool. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, just use the hashtag D23 Inside Disney. From all of us to all of you, a very happy holidays. And for the latest Disney info, check out d23.com. And we'll be back next week with an all-new episode of D23 Inside, Inside Disney. Disney.